Well, brothers and sisters, there's a danger for all of us to be people who listen to and hear from God's word and who even enjoy doing so, right? Whether in a church service like this or when we read Christian books or Christian things online or when we talk to one another about God or when we just think thoughts about God, there can be a danger that we genuinely like all of that and yet we then don't let it actually frequently impact the way we live. There's a danger that we like thinking about and talking about and hearing about God and his ways. But in reality, we can daily not really want to personally follow Jesus or have a relationally close relationship with God. Rather, we can be kind of content with mainly just listening, thinking that's all there is to it. And that's all something that's obviously talked about here in our, our passage in James 1 that we're going to be going through together this morning. But even as we begin here, I think it's helpful to know that this is something that's in other places of the Bible as well. And in fact, perhaps the most striking passage about this phenomenon isn't here in James 1, but it's actually in a passage in Ezekiel. In Ezekiel. And, and so as we begin this morning, you don't have to turn all the way back to Ezekiel with me, but just hear this passage from Ezekiel 33. And quickly though, as for context here, so Ezekiel, as you might know, is a prophet who, who spoke for God in the Old Testament in the middle of the southern kingdom of Judah's exile around 600 BC. And if you know the Old Testament story, you know that that happened because the people over many, many years, they'd, they'd basically forgotten the Lord their God and they started becoming sinful in many ways. And obviously that's all true. And yet when we think of that, and we think of their idolatry, for example, where they literally worshipped other gods, we might be prone to think that because of that, they must have been outwardly just so bad at that point, right? Meaning we, we probably think that they must have outwardly just totally despised the Lord and his word at that point. But listen to this. Again, this is, this is striking because notice what God says to Ezekiel about the people at that time of the rebellion and exile. This is Ezekiel 33. 30 through 32. As for you, son of man, your people who talk together about you by the walls and at the doors of their houses, they say to one another, each to his brother, come and hear what the word is that comes from the Lord. And they come to you as people come and they sit before you as my people and they hear what you say, but they will not do it. For with desirous talk in their mouths they act, their heart is set on their gain. And behold, you are to them like one who sings desirous songs with a beautiful voice and plays well on an instrument. For they hear what you say, but they will not do it. So if you were tracking, you heard why that's so striking because God is clear. These people were gathering together and saying, come, let us hear what the word is that comes from the Lord. And they were longing to hear God's word. And then when they did, God says they actually heard it like a, like a beautiful song or like an instrument being played before them, meaning they enjoyed it. They thought it was something special. They even appreciated the beauty of it, which all of that is, of course, not bad. And yet God says of them multiple times that all that's true, yet, quote, they will hear what you say, but they will not do it. You can feel the force of that, right? They love listening, but they actually won't do it which is essentially the warning that James says to us here. So that's Ezekiel 33. That now does bring us to this main passage here in James 1. And just so you know, 
We're going over James 1 in this Bible reading and prayer series that we're starting a new year off with. First, because specifically we just spent two weeks, right, talking together about reading our Bibles and praying. And so specifically, I thought it would just be good for us as a church to be reminded that we don't just want to talk about and listen about reading our Bibles and praying, but we actually want to do those things. But then also, second and more generally, I thought this would be good for us because churches, we still have this new year ahead of us. I thought it'd be great if we didn't only just commit to reading our Bibles and praying more in 2024, but also if we just each year left here more convinced and convicted and challenged to actually just follow Jesus more pervasively in every aspect of our lives. Meaning after this morning, I hope we all feel this joyful sense of, yes, I I want to and get to read my Bible and pray more, but also I just want to follow Jesus in every area of my life and whatever's to come in the year ahead. I hope hope we all feel that for God's glory, of course, but also because as we're going to see church, deciding to live like that is for our benefit as well. Anyway, so that's what I hope we glean from James here, which quickly, though, does bring us to our outline for how we're going to go through this paragraph. And so, as we'll see, this paragraph very clearly has three parts to it. Three parts, all centered around this idea of hearing and making sure you also do. And so, for us, we're just going to simply take those parts one at a time, having three sections this morning. Three sections, verse 22, then verses 23 and 24, then verse 25. And specifically, what we'll see for each section, we'll just reveal that actually as we go. But all that said, let's just then dive in and begin our first section then, church. And again, for this, we're just going to be in verse 22, just verse 22. And here we're going to see that general command and overarching instruction to make sure we're not just hearers, but doers. But not only that, but we're also going to see what can happen to us if we only hear. But before we get into that, let's just read it ourselves. Look down at this famous verse. James 1.22 says this. But be doers of the word. And not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. (laughs) So now to understand and apply that to us, let's just ask two important questions. Two questions. Number one, what does it mean to be a doer of the word and not a hearer only? And number two, why would not doing and only hearing be deceiving ourselves? You can sense that's a big deal. And so question number one is what does it mean to be a doer and not just a hearer? And an answer to that, I think we all need to come to grips with two things here, two things. And the first is this word do or doer here and what it means. Because let's be honest, we may hear that verb do and we may think only mainly of outwardly, outward things. And to be clear, outward things are included in that word if they're in God's word. We're supposed to do them. But what we all need to know is that this verb here that's turned into a noun for doer is much more broad than just outward things. And this applies a lot to our understanding and and applying of this because that means that doing God's word shouldn't only make us think of external things, meaning we shouldn't hear this from James 1 and only think, yeah, I I then should do this or that outwardly in my life. Now, that, that might be true in a lot of cases in our lives, especially in areas of fighting certain sins or loving other people more practically or serving others more and more things like that. And so we do need to do those things, but again, we also need to know that this word do here is just a vague word, which means much more than that. Because rather than just outward things, this, mean, this word just essentially means whatever God's word calls us to, church, we're to put that into practice. Right? Put that into practice. That could be outward things, or it could also be internal things, like, for example, 
seeking to love God more. Right? The Bible calls us to love God, and so doing the word would include internally loving God and also internally loving others. So it's not just external, but it's also internal well as well. All right, so that's the first thing that we need to understand about being a doer of the word. But then second, in addition to that, as we think about this, we also need to keep in mind the fact that as Christians, we have the lordship of Jesus Christ over everything we do. The lordship of Jesus over everything we do. Now, I briefly, I bring that up because think of it, if we're really going to be people who are doers of God's word and live God's word out, then we need to realize that that's because for you and me, Jesus is the Lord over every area of our lives anyway. Meaning we're always seeking to do the word of Christ because we're here and we know that Jesus is Lord over all of our lives. And I know that might sound confusing, but I particularly bring that up, and I think that James might have had this in mind when he wrote about doing the, Lord, doing the word, this idea of Jesus being Lord over our lives. Because look quickly at your Bibles at verse 1 of chapter 2, James 2.1. This is only really a handful of verses later. So James tells us to do the word in this paragraph, and then you can skim, notice in the next paragraph, he actually gives some examples of that, and bridling the tongue and keeping ourselves unstained, which are more internal, and then loving the orphan and widow, which are more external. And then in 2.1, he talks about having no partiality towards others. But in that context, note what he also says and emphasizes about Jesus now in James 2.1. My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. And so again, if you're tracking this whole idea of doing the word and following Jesus more, what comes up? Well, the fact that really Jesus is our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. And again, that matters because therefore to summarize church, what it means for you and I to be doers of the word. It means number one, we seek to live out God's word in anything he says. Not just outward things, but also the inward things. And why? Well, because number two, everything we do, church, we know Jesus is our Lord. <laughs> Meaning we are no longer our own masters. We never really were anyway. <laughs> and, so, and so we don't just live and do according to what we think is best. Instead, we gladly serve our Lord Jesus Christ in how we live, which is for our good as well. Okay, and so that's the main part of this commandment here. We're to be doers of the word, not just hearers. But that's not this, this whole verse, right? Because then... James adds that fascinating and not here is only deceiving yourselves. And so now for our second question, number two on this section, let's now ask, and really why is that? Why would hearing only and not doing be deceiving ourselves? And, and brothers and sisters, all of us, we, we do need to take a second and pay attention here because this is important because consider this, what's so jarring about that short two-word idea of us deceiving ourselves is that in, implied in that is that if that's true, we, we probably wouldn't know it. You get that? Because think about it, for most things that we do to ourselves, for most verbs, we at least would know it. For example, if we were to hit ourselves or close ourselves or drive ourselves somewhere or, or look at ourselves or almost all verbs, we at least would know what's happening. But by definition, if we deceive ourselves, we don't realize it. And, and so again, this is important for all of us to pay attention to. 
And so what does it mean? Again, why would hearing and not doing be deceptive? And while I bet most of us in here could probably think about why, because what's so tough about this idea of hearing the word of God only is that when it comes, church, to hearing God's word, we know it. That in itself is such a good thing. For example, remember, we read this two weeks ago as a church. In Romans 10, the Bible says, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. And so hearing is good, and it is very needed for our faith. And not only that, but even in Ezekiel 33, you can see there that hearing God's word also can be something that you really like. And if God, as God's people, we, we should like to hear from God. Right? We love him. We want to hear from him. And so all that is good and right, but that's then why hearing only can be so deceptive. Because hearing is so good and it feels so God-glorifying and godly as it can be, but then we can be deceived into thinking that that's the whole point. Right? We heard it, we accepted it, we liked it, we agreed with it, we loved it, done. And yet, we then might not actually live it out. And if so, that's deceptive because if that's the case, we probably have no idea that we're not taking the word of God as it should be taken. Because we love the word. But all the while, our daily lives may show more and more that we don't really seek it out. Which is why this is something, after tracking, we really should all check ourselves on. And so, I know that's heavy. But that's our first section, church. And that's just the main command here. And that, hopefully, should be stirring us by the Spirit in here to actually want to live out God's word more then. But as for this passage, it doesn't end there, which is a good thing. Thankfully, the passage then continues on. And so next now, James is going to give us an analogy which helps us further understand this. And this is especially going to help us see how this can happen and what therefore to avoid. And so we'll look at that now. That was our first section. So now we're going to be in verses 23 and 24 in our second section. And here we're going to see that analogy. But before we break it down, let's just look at it ourselves. So that's the command. But now continuing on, church, look at verses 23 and 24. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. So on that illustration, James, right, uses a picture of someone looking at themselves at the mirror to see what they're like. And it's important for us to know that that word look there is a pretty emphatic word. It doesn't mean just a quick glance. Instead, it really does mean look intently. That's why the ESV has that. And even that matters for us because as, as one commentator I read this week put it, he said this, quote, The Greek verb katanaeo does not describe a hasty glance. Instead, it, rever it refers to a careful observation. It is attentive scrutiny of an object. So the man carefully studies his face and becomes thoroughly familiar with its features. This illustrative act is paralleled by the person who listens to the word, apparently not momentarily, but attentively and at length, so that he understands what he hears, end quote. In other words, in this illustration, someone is looking closely at themselves, which corresponds to, to really hearing and listening closely to God's word, which quickly means for you and me, think about it, that means we can't pass this off, this hearing but not doing problem, as something that only concerns, you know, those people who don't really care about the Bible. 
No, instead, this is talking about people who look intently at God's words, meaning people who are probably part of a church on Sundays, people who listen to the Bible, people who agree with and understand God's ways, people possibly like us. Right, and so that's the first half of this illustration. The person looks intently at their face, like someone really hears the word, but then you, if you're tracking, you notice what happens? Well, this is the biggest help, I think, to understanding how this hearing but not doing can happen to you and me. And it's shown in a word that's in verse 24, and the word's also going to show up in verse 25. And what is it? What can happen? Well, you probably saw it, right? The person looks at themselves intently, and then they go, and at once they forget what they were like. They forget. And now, this is, this is really fascinating, church. And in fact, to be honest, this is something that I learned and thought about for the first time while studying this paragraph, which I knew kind of well this week. Because consider this. So if I were to ask you, who is the one who hears the word, who hears the Bible, and decides not to do it? Right, what would you probably say? What would I probably say? Well, the knee-jerk answer, I think, to that question would be, well, we would say someone who hears the word and doesn't do it is someone who knows what's right because they heard the word, but then they consciously decide to disobey the word, right? They hear it, but then they consciously decide, I'm not going to do it. And to be clear, the Bible clearly often talks about that. And I'd say in Ezekiel 33, that's probably more in line with what was happening. They, they knew what was right, but when push came to shove, like when they were tempted to worship other gods, they consciously disobeyed. Right? And for you and me, we definitely can do that, and we do it, right? Sadly, more than we wish to admit. We know what God's word is, but then there's moments where we choose to disobey. And quickly, remember, the gospel still is, church, if we trust in Jesus because of Jesus, we still are always loved and 100% forgiven in him, even though that's true of us. Right? Grace abounds more than any even willful sin of ours. And so, we all know this idea of conscious, if you will, disobedience. But notice, that's not what James is really talking about here. It's interesting. Rather think about it. This is a person who looks intently at the word or his face in the mirror and then he goes and he doesn't in that moment consciously think about the word and decide to disobey it. Instead, the person forgets. That's exactly what James says. And now that idea of forgetting really matters for us for at least two reasons. One negative and one positive. Two reasons. First, this idea of forgetting matters because on the more negative side, it shows us how deep this deception can actually be. Because again, this is someone who doesn't only not do, but they do not know that they aren't doing because they've forgotten the word. It's not in their mind there when they don't do it. And so first, this shows us the deepness of the deception. But the number two, on the flip side, this idea of forgetting matters because in this more positively church, it points you and I to therefore how we can be people who hear and also do. Because what's apparently a big part of avoiding being not only a hearer? Well, if forgetting leads to not doing, then remembering the word in your daily life will aid in actually doing it. Right? It's that simple. And now as for what that means, it doesn't just mean memorizing verses and reciting them, although that's a huge thing and great. But I think just more generally that means that, yes, we take the time to read God's word and pray. And, and it's important to do things like this, like gather together to hear from God on Sunday mornings. These are all important. But then 
What's also apparently important for you and me is to make sure that as, as we live our lives, right, just day in and day out, at work, at home, on our couches, in our cars, wherever and whenever, and all that we must constantly remember, or at least consistently remember who God is, the sort of things he said to us, what he wants for us. Or to say that using the language we just talked about in our previous section, we need to go throughout life and instead of kind of existentially just forgetting that Jesus is actually the Lord of our lives and, and forgetting that he's the most important, instead we need to frequently just remind ourselves that Jesus is the Lord in this moment. Consider his love for us. Consider what he wants for us. That's what will keep us from forgetting and that's then what will help us be people who don't just hear but do. And therefore, just make it really practical. One last time, church. If you and I want to do the word, we have to make it a thing where we pretty consistently try to think about God and Jesus and his ways as we live our lives. Because hearing and then kind of forgetting will make us people who don't really live it out. Whether we realize it or not, while being people who at least try to remember God and his ways and the gospel will help us be people who actually do what he says. And so that's our first two sections. That's most of this paragraph. But that finally, for our third section, and perhaps most important for all this morning, brings us to verse 25. Verse 25. And, and this verse now is almost like a, a final appeal, an urging from James here to really do the word. Because think of it, he's already commanded, and then he illustrated, and we could think that's it. But then here he gives us one last appeal with more details and even incentives as to why we should do the word. And not only that, but here we're going to see kind of above all what's at stake in this for you and me. But that said, to begin here, let's just finally read this last verse. So finally for us this morning, to conclude the paragraph, verse 25. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. So to understand what that's saying, it's notice with me how that one verse adds three big things on this whole discussion of hearing and doing. Three big things. Number one, what happens when we do the word. Number two, why we do it. And number three, the result of why we do it. So what, why, and the result. And so number one, let's begin here with seeing just what happens when someone does the word. So what happens? Well, in this, brief, this verse, briefly, you can kind of see a number of quick things that are mentioned. First, this person looks into the perfect law, right? Which is that same verb from the illustration before, meaning this person does look intently at God's word. That's important. And then second, they don't forget what they saw, which makes sense after what we just talked about. And then third, and most obviously, they then become a doer who acts meaning they take the word of God, they put it into practice and in how they live their lives. And then finally, fourth, they keep doing that. You see that they persevere. And, and so all that is more obvious, right? But that's what happens. It's that simple when someone does the word. They, they look deeply, they don't forget it, they do it and they keep on keeping on doing it. But that then leads to the second and even bigger thing that this verse opens up for us. And that's not seeing why someone does the word. Why? And as for this, you can see that especially in the fact that the Bible, that God inspires James to say here that the person who does the word is someone who looks into the perfect law, which then is also said to be, quote, the law of liberty. 
the law of liberty. And now, brothers and sisters, listen up, because here's where we start to see that according to the Bible here, and for any of us who actually want to do the word in our daily lives, we are now shown in that phrase that we cannot or should not see all of this talking about doing as merely or mainly just a duty, something we should do. We can't see this doing the word as something where we feel that, okay, I guess that since I claim to be a Christian, I really should follow Jesus. Instead, notice following Jesus is apparently following the law of liberty. Meaning we do it because we know this is true freedom. That's, that's the idea here. And on this, let's realize thinking about doing God's word as being true freedom is so important for you and me to understand, especially because of the culture we live in. Because let's be honest, we all instinctively think and we all are taught kind of by our culture that true freedom is no one telling you what to do. Freedom equals whatever I want. And in fact, therefore, hearing that there's a law of liberty can kind of sound like an oxymoron to us, right? Because freedom, by definition to us, is no law, no instruction, except what I want to do. But we all need to know that's a quite modern and individualistic concept, and it actually doesn't really make sense. Because, because what does it mean to have no law, no instruction in your life? Does it, does it just mean that you follow whatever impulses you feel? Do you follow your instincts? <laughs> Well, well, no one, that's silly. No one just lives life like that. That'd be impossible. Or does, does it just mean that no law means you, you are the only one who makes choices on your life and you never consult other people? Well, that'd be dumb. And again, no one does that. Or does it mean that you just follow the majority, what, what most people say you should do? Well, why would you listen to the majority, right? The majority's been wrong often throughout history and misguided. And, and so just get this with me. We always, church, are following some sort of instruction or standard of rules or even law as we live our lives. We all do. We all have some compass that we let, let guide us. But the truth is, if that's just us, if we just follow our own impulses or our own thoughts, or if it's just other people or our culture, right, if that's our law, then it won't actually lead to freedom. It never does. Rather, the truth is there is only one law of liberty, and that is following the God who created us and who designed us, and therefore who knows what's best for us. And in brief, again, that's then why the person here and why we should be doers of the word, because following what God says is liberty. It's freedom. It's being saved fully by the gospel in Jesus Christ. And so we therefore are enabled to happily follow him in his word because we know that's what's best for us. That's when we're most free. (laughs) And so thus far, number one, that's what happens when somebody does does the word. Number two, that's why we do it. But then there's one last thing here. And this is also why we do it, but it's especially a result of doing the word. And what is it? Well, just look again at the end of verse 25, how this paragraph ends. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, doing, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. So you heard it. Someone who's not just a hearer, but a doer acts, quote, he will be blessed in his doing. Blessed. And now, If you know the Bible at all, you probably know that that's a huge word, true blessedness, true happiness, 
It's the way we were supposed to live. And specifically, this is an objective, outside of me term, describing how I'm objectively right with the living God. And it's a subjective internal term, talking about me living the way I'm supposed to live. And even it can be an emotional state, right? Blessedness, happiness. And the point here is, for us, that's then what's at stake in all this discussion about being doers of the word. Right, we've already talked about other things that are at stake, right? Being deceived or not, having true freedom or not. But the bigger truth that encompasses all of those things is this idea of true blessedness, this true happiness from God that you and I were made to walk in. And to be clear, just so we know, this idea of blessedness is, of course, in many places in the Bible. For example, the Old Testament, the Psalms, and more. But we should know that it was Jesus himself, church, who said this in a quick, striking way, kind of like James does here. Because with James in mind, now notice how Jesus says something very similar. And James might even be echoing Jesus' teaching here. While talking about following his example, Jesus says this in G John thirteen seventeen, Quote, If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. It's that simple. Let me read that again. Quote, Jesus said, If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. You can, you can hear how similar that is to James because even for Jesus then, it is clear that we do need to hear and we need to know what Jesus wants for us and we then should actually do it. But why? What's the result if we do so? James, you will be blessed in your doing. Jesus, blessed are you if you do them. That's how this paragraph ends. And therefore, church, that's our, that's our final big point for this morning. And really, we need to get this because, again, for each one of us, we can so easily make following God or doing the word and whatever it says, we can, we can think that that's something that really is kind of cumbersome or that's something that kind of stinks. All because, let's be honest, we do desire sometimes to do the opposite. Or because in our culture or some of our friends maybe or our co-workers or whoever, they may be telling us that actually following God's word in this specific area is silly. And yet, just, just hear this. The truth is God's way is always the best way. It, it, it always is. It is the blessed life and, and not blessed in some shallow, flippant or even prosperity-focused way that the, some churches talk about these days, like saying, I just feel so blessed or bless her heart or God's going to bless me financially. But instead, this really is talking about a deep blessedness and the idea of really knowing your creator and being secure and loved in the gospel and having a special peace and joy in your life and being freed to love others and living for a greater purpose than just yourself. Right? That's blessedness. That's a true happiness and peace we were made for. And one last time then, the warning of this paragraph is, if we're a people who hear only, then we may deceive ourselves and think that we're blessed like that. But in, but in reality, we'll be stale and flat on the inside. But the encouragement is, if we follow the word, not perfectly, of course, but in our lives, if, if we seek to follow our Savior who has saved us, then there is a special blessedness that comes with that. All because we are living more in line with how we were made to live in a relationship with our God and Father, rescued by Jesus, filled with the Spirit, living for His glory, the good of others, which we also now know is for our good as well. And so that's James 2 here, church. And because of that, again, 
as we open with specifically first, I do hope that since we've been in this series on Bible reading prayer, that we'll now go forth from here and actually individually want to read our Bibles and pray more. Because that would be doing God's word. But then also, again, second, I hope we all after that just feel more of a desire to follow God's ways more in general. That we now make it a thing where we really say, you know, I really do want to follow Jesus more deeply and consistently and pervasively in every area of my life in the rest of this year to come and for my life ahead. And in fact, on that, just so you know, that's why in a minute we are going to be ending our service, as you might have seen in the bulletin, by singing the pretty famous hymn and song, I Have Decided to Follow Jesus. Because on this song, on the one hand, it's a song about our conversion, right? Our initial faith as we believe and accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior by grace alone. That's how we become Christians. But also, I hope you know, this song we're about to sing is also about consciously deciding to continually follow Jesus as well, just as we live our daily lives. And why though? Why why do we do that? Well, for one last thing, church, and to bring this back to the gospel, especially as we come to a close, as for why we do any of this, Let's just be clear that as we do the word, right, and as we follow Jesus, it still never is that we do the word to merit God's favor or because God doesn't really like us and so we have to do the word good enough or it's never that if we don't do it good enough, then we'll lose God's grace or anything like that. Rather, churches always remember we do the word Because the gospel that's said in the word is true. We are reconciled to the living God by grace alone, in Christ alone, because of the cross alone. And so because of that, we're people who want to follow him. And in fact, that's why in the song we're about to sing, you know this, one of the verses is going to say just simply, the cross before me, the world behind me. And I love that because as we seek to follow Jesus and obey him, the point of the hymn writer is clear. We don't even then move past the cross. Or to say it another way, as we seek to do the word, we need to know this. We as Christians don't go from mainly gospel-focused people to all of a sudden being mainly obedience-focused people. That's not Christianity. Rather, as we follow Jesus, church, it really is because the cross is always before us. The cross is something we should stare at in all of our doing because with the cross before us, brothers and sisters, we know we're already secure. We know God is so forced. We know that we are loved more than we can fathom. We know that we have the spirit in us to help us with our doing. And because of all of that, brothers and sisters, we can, as secure, as loved believers, we can look into the law of liberty and seeking the glory of God and the good of others and our own happiness, we can not just be hearers, but doers. Amen? Amen. Let's pray and then we'll sing that song. Let's pray.